Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Junkies presents The Fall of Osha, Episode 29, The Dragon and the Phoenix. Following the tragedies and the hardships of the previous episodes, today we're going to be following one person. And who is that person? Well, today we'll be following Charlie as she goes on her own little adventure. I'm Carrie, and hello, friends. Welcome back to Dungeons and Junkies. As you may have gathered by the one-man intro, things are a little different around here today, as we are embarking on yet another solo session in my campaign, The Fall of Osia. We've had one before, but this time, let's follow somebody else, as we are now officially into the end game of my campaign, which honestly is quite exciting, since this is my first campaign. But that's not about that. So, who do we have as our solo player for today? Take it away! Hi, I'm Alex, and today you have Charlie, the half-elf monk, who's, after last time, is pretty ready to kill some bitches. Yes, yes she is. And Charlie did kill a bitch last time. Quite viciously, in fact. The man resembled red scrambled eggs by the time she was done with him. When Charlie said he was next, she wasn't kidding. But no, we're moving on from that now. It's been a few days since the party escaped from the arena, and they've, I guess, settled is probably a bit of a strong word, but it's what we're going to go with here. They've settled in the town of Volca, on the southwest. It's a very grey town in the volcanic region of the island, or what used to be the volcanic region, before the tsunami. <laughs> it's been a few days, so what's Charlie been up to so far? Well, Charlie, the next day, did actually leave Volca. But going back slightly, um, after they buried Turk, they did stay there for a few hours cried a bit, got angry, snooped the shovel they used to bury him in half. But after all of that, they did get some sleep in the house they were staying at in that Volca. And then the next morning around 5, 6 a.m., decided they needed to get out of town and do something that's important to them. And what would be important to Turk. They've left the city to see if they can find Bengarn and Invarn. That's where we're starting now. It's been some hours since Charlie left and as the camera pans in, swooping over the town and over the fields, 
Charlie got to see a lot of very, very depressing empty fields, but I'm sure it matched her mood perfectly at the moment. By now she's reached the forest lands, and the camera pans through the trees, until we come across a a red-haired half-elf. Is she running? Is she making her way slowly? Making her way slowly at the moment, not pushing herself too much. A sensible decision after getting several of her ribs broken in the fight. Breathing is probably still a bit painful at times, and she looks quite startling with a whole cacophony of bruises and cuts all down her left side, where the Goliath, affectionately known by the party as Big Fuckhead, decided to give Charlie a bit of a slap with his big fuck-off weapon, knocking her out of the sky at the time. But as you're walking through this forest, can you make me a perception check, please? Despite being a monk, I'm actually not that great with perception. That is only an 11. Okay. But you have alert, don't you? I do. Okay. As you're trudging through the forest, This one's a lot greener than the forests you've seen recently. As most of the island is still buried under a blanket of snow. In Volca and the surrounding areas, you've noticed a definite uptick in temperature. It's actually somewhat similar to the island where you're from. In the fact it's quite humid here. Maybe it's a little bit comforting because it's what Charlie knew for most of her life. But eventually you come across a split in the forest path. You can carry on north towards the mountains or you can carry on south to where you know you will eventually end up in Larton if you follow this path. I think Larton would be my main start. Okay. You start to head down towards Larton and can I get you to make me a deck save, please? That's a 30. Some innate sense in Charlie's monk brain. You sense the danger as it comes barreling through the trees at you. And for you, you just have to sidestep as a lanky black shadow flies out. And it takes you seconds to recognise what it is. You recognise the lanky body and the knife hands and the permanent fixed grin as it just hurtles past you and into the bushes. Because it's one of them. Um, Taking off my freshly carved new quarterstaff, I'll start making my way in the direction that um, the thing with nice for hands when because I don't think Charlie actually knows they're called jesters you know now that you mention it I don't think Charlie does know they're called jesters you start following it's easy enough to follow as it's just smashed a path straight through the bushes 
clearly chopping them up with his little knifey hands. Until you find it stopped about 50, 60 metres from the path, standing there, happily going to itself, sort of dancing in place. It's a very, very sort of, look, I do good, I make path kind of dance. And then it notices you. It doesn't stop dancing. Do you think nearby it or...? just the jester so far. Actually, can you make me another perception check, please? 18. Okay. On this. Obviously, Charlie's had encounters with the jesters before. But there's something a bit different about this one. This one's more refined. And it's wearing a dog collar. With Morris written on it. Morris. As you say, Morris, the s and the dancing increases. That tells you you're not much of a talker, then, are you? It tilts its head at you, tapping its knife hands against the ground. It gives off the vibe of an excited dog more than anything. You okay with this? Where, where are you going, Morris? Morris tilts his head the other way and then starts to walk back up the path it's carved. I come back that way. Holly sighs and follows. Morris is quite tall as well. Charlie isn't exactly short herself, is she? 5'9". Morris is pushing about six foot tall. And you see him clatter his way back up the path. The best way I can describe the way this one walks is kind of a goblin squat. He leads his way back up to the path and just stands there expectantly. Do you want me to go that way? Does Morris actually understand what you say? Oh no, poor baby. (laughs) You gather that Morris probably has a little more understanding than the previous ones you've met. But you can tell that, like the others, the lights are on, but there's probably nobody home. Because I've worked out that he's not really a threat, I'll um, strap the quarterstaff back down. It's unlike my last quarterstaff, which was like quite decor- decorated with all like dragon markings and stuff. This is just a completely smoothed out, plain oak quarterstaff with a like a like a dragon tapestry that's been wrapped thick enough that could be a strap Is there any metal on it or anything like that uh no there's no metal it's just back to basics really this is a big bonking stick it's a pretty it's a pretty hefty bonker actually with my attack damage on it ah yes can you make me Two more perception checks, please. Ooh, the low is an eight, the high is a twenty-two. 
Okay. Oh, Morris, 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 you poor little dimwit. After a few moments of having a bit of a stare off with Morris, he pokes up just as you hear a noise and then he hides behind you as the sound of people coming down the other path. You can hear arguing. Oh! Huh. Hmm. I will... Is there any, like, bushes near us? There's about 17 different bushes that you can hide in. Try not to... Because I still don't know what these guys are like, despite the fact that he seems kind of harmless. I'm going to just, like, gently nudge him over to a bush and try and lower him, lower him down. Is then I will crouch down myself. He seems to take a very short amount of time to realise that you're not trying to crush him, you're trying to get him to hide. But he squats down disturbingly low to the ground, all but flattening himself out. As his bones seem to be made of elastic. Charlie's just like, oh crap. Alright. Like your style. Crouch down into the bushes as well. You crouch down and wait, and after about ten seconds, the person who's clearly starting to argue comes into view. It's a small Savaxi. And she's shouting over her shoulder as she marches on. You're the idiot that let that fucking thing off the lead. How was I supposed to know it was going to run off? They're supposed to be trained by now. You say that about all of them. And they're evil and disgusting and all they do is creep everybody out. As following the arguing tabaxi is a half-elf. You've seen this half elf before. Following not too far behind them is a very exasperated looking white dragonborn and a small shadow elf, all making their way towards Volka. The two at the back are clearly trying to keep their distance from the ones arguing. Do I recognise this tabaxi as the doctor from Prince's Town? Yes. In fact, you've seen all four of these people before. I'll stand up, not too fast, try not to startle them, and say, pointing down at the hedge next to me, is Morris the one you're looking for? The tabaxi jumped out of her skin. She wasn't ex- clearly wasn't expecting anyone else to start talking. She's like, Jesus Christ! Sorry, sorry. Actually, what on earth happened to you? Wait, 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 wait. Monster face aside. Thought you can't call people monster face. Shut up, I'm talking. Monster face aside. I know you from somewhere. Wait. Does she look like she's going to get it, or...? She's starting to walk towards you. (laughs) Hmm... Where have I seen you before? 
in a in a town with a friend who needed their leg working on. Oh, wow! It's a small world, but then again, it's an island, so it's an enclosed space. So I shouldn't be so surprised when we run into people. Hello. You find his monstrosity then. Um, he's... Morris, come out. Morris stands up, sees Sol, and then crouches back down. Ugh, just... I've changed my mind. I don't even, I don't even want to look at that thing. And Sol, being the... I don't know, social... Absolute social wonder she is, just turns around and walks away. By this point, the other three have started making their way over. And as I said, you do recognize all of them. You make me a quick history check, please. Zero. Right. <laughs> you can't recall the Dragonborn's name at all. And you only know the Tabaxi's name. <laughs> you only remember the Tabaxi's name because somebody else said it first. I think I remember the half elf. Yes. I was gonna say, it's like, I know I know the half elf. He's like, we're literally related, but okay. I'll just give him the small wave. That's the awkward half wave back. You remember the shadow elf there as well, right? I've had a. Is it Harlan? Yes. Okay. I recognize Harlan. He seems to recognize you as well, stepping forward. I have met Harlan, haven't I? I met yeah. him um, for the caves. Yeah. Your Shard's friend, I think. That is, that is correct. Okay, good. That should mean we're near enough to Volka. I've never actually been down this way before, so... Couldn't quite take us the whole way there. Could you, um... Is it this way? Are we going the right way? I've just been leaving it, to be honest. It's, um... You're about two days out if you carry on west. Okay. That's not too bad. I've been travelling quite slowly, so you could probably cut that down to a day and a quarter. Right. Are you um going alone, or is everybody with you? No, I'm I'm going alone. I've got some things to work out. Well, it was nice seeing you again. Yeah, you too. By this point, Nathaniel has reached over to reach into the bushes to grab Morris and try and haul him out. Just whispering, can't keep running off like this. And Morris just makes a sad noise. He knows he's in trouble. That's not too bad. He's not, he just keeps running off. I suppose he's getting bored of all this walking and people saying horrible things about him. I give Morris a pet. Morris clearly likes the pet, 
because the sad turns into a happy so we're dancing again you wait Nathaniel waits for a moment just until the others are a bit back where are you going? Uh, after Larton or what's left of it it's a bit of a hike isn't it? Yeah, I know. I'm I'm looking for someone to be completely honest with you, and that's a good place to maybe get some clues. Uh, not to be insensitive, but are you sure you're up to traveling? He gestures at your many bruises. That worse. Do you want a lift to Larton, as it were? I am. Um, I was going with them, but I don't think I made the best impression with your friends. No, you didn't, to be fair. And I mean, I would have, I would have tried to explain it to, I would have tried to explain about you to them, but we kind of ended up fighting a, a military squad and then we ended up getting arrested and stuff for a while, so... I haven't quite had the chance to tell him about you yet. I mean, that's fair. Do you want us, as in me and this? He's got his arm tight around Morris at the moment. You can at least cut down your travel time. Sure, I I think we could do with some catching up. I'll just let them know does drop Morris to go over and quickly talk with the others just doing it, Charlie. But he's a bit far away for you to hear what he's saying. Morris does gently poke at your bruise. The edge of his knife Ow. hand is a bit blunt. He doesn't understand pain, clearly. It, it, it's okay. But soon Nathaniel is back. Has he been poking at you? Ah, he's alright. You're not supposed to have favourites of things you make yourself, but I think he is my favourite. It's not bad. He's got character. Don't tell him that, his ego will get... His head will get so big he won't be able to get through doorways. You're not creeped out by him, are you? I'm sure we can catch up. Then you can find out what's worse. Maybe it'll do him good to not be around people who constantly go every time they see him. Let's see. Nathaniel has the spell teleport, but let's have some fun with this. Because you have to roll a d100, would you care to roll it for me to see whereabouts you land? Roll the colossal. One that sounds like it's going to go for the desk. Yes, roll your golf ball. It actually rolled on a hundred. So, because teleport has a bit of a chart with it, you get a chart and there's levels to how well you know the place to if you've only ever heard of it or if it's false information. There's a whoosh. And as 
a reddish-orange magic just engulfs you, Nathaniel, and Morris. When it dissipates, you find yourself slap-bang in the middle of Larton. What remains of it? Can you roll me a perception check again, please? As I as I do land, though, sort of like quite quite stiff for a second. Okay, don't lay portals. Not a fan. They're not, they're not for everyone. I mean, that made travel much quicker, yeah. I guess. But is it? Uh, nineteen on the perception. Okay. After you've gotten over your teleportation sickness, as it were, you glance around at Larton, and somehow it's become even more depressing since the last time you were here. The buildings have crumbled to dust. Clearly, nothing's come back. And what remains of the buildings, you can. It's only due to your knowledge of the town that you can still figure out where things were. You can see what remains of the Hammer's Head Inn, Bengarn and Ingvan's Inn, teetering at the edge of the new cliff. You can make out the church. You can make out the blacksmith, the shops, and the little wall where you used to see Marmalade sit. But that's about it. There's a cold wind coming straight off the sea. And it almost makes you miss how warm Volca was. As the wind bites straight through to your bone, although it feels like. I remember helping rebuild this place after the last red sun. Feels like forever ago that does. Lots changed since. The wave, hasn't it? Definitely. Right. There's a basement here. That's the place to start. I'll follow your lead. I didn't really make myself welcome here. So I never got to see as much of the place as I could have. Always make great impressions. Pendulum Port was my bad impression. That's that doesn't even exist anymore, does it? There's going to be a few feet under sea by now. They would have been one of some of the first people hit. Finally pulls his coat tighter around himself. He also he's put Morris on a leash as well. You notice that Morris is wearing sort of like a set of toddler reins. <laughs> he clearly objects to the toddler reins as he's trying to wiggle out of them. But lead the way, Charlie. Hmm. See if I can remember which which frightened wreckage is um, the Hammerhead in. You remember it's close to the edge, and you can just about make out the sign that used to hang on the side, but now it's just a pile of splintered wood on the floor. You can remember it because of purely because of the placement of the other things and how many times you've been here before. You remember the now very broken down, strange statue of a goat 
in the garden opposite. The people here had strange taste. They did. I'm seeing it. So once I find it, I'll look for the basement. Okay. Hmm. Roll me a history check, please. Mm, I think she's a luck queen. Thank God I have luck. That's cacked. That's better. Uh, that's not cacked. So that is a 16 minus 1. Okay. In reality, if you think about it for a moment, it's been two, maybe two and a half months since you were last here. But it feels like an era ago. And as you run your hands over the smooth stone and the brick, trying to find the fairly well-concealed door, you eventually find the handle. It's rusty. It's, you can tell it's going to be stiff. But as you pull it, can you make me a strength check, please? Is a 18 plus 2 for strength. Charlie is beef. Despite being badly beaten down, you manage to wrench the door open one-armed. And the creak it makes is absolutely awful. The sound just goes straight into your skull. I It's all but as bad as people scraping a knife and fork across a plate. It's like that sound, but amplified. But now you're faced with the dim basement, which with your dark vision, you can see quite far down into. You coming? Well, you don't have to, but... No, no, I'm coming. There's, um... Nobody really around at the moment, is there? I mean, I haven't been here in two, three months, so I couldn't tell you. Alright. And he'll turn to Morris. You stay here, and you attack if somebody else tries to come in. Wait, who are we looking for? Just... Uh, a dwarf. Possibly two dwarfs. Don't attack them if they're dwarfs. And Morris will sit down obediently. But Nathaniel will follow you down into the basement. I'll pop down into the basement and see what kind of condition it's in now. Your footsteps echo as you go down the stone stairs, leaving a little trail of footprints in the dust. There's surprisingly few cobwebs down here, but it's very dusty. And it smells rank. And it just smells decrepit. But do you remember the line shells? The stone shells that Bengarn carved out himself? Remember him excitedly bringing you down in the basement to show you how he'd renovated it. And how he'd carved out all this stone by himself over the course of a few months. There are remains of barrels down here. 
And at the end, there is a door made of metal. It's half open and it's covered in rust. Anything lying around? Any trinkets, odds ends, anything that might be interesting? Apart from the other door? Okay. Uh, investigation, please. So, 17 minus 1. Okay. You see the remains of a bottle of dwarven ale. There's a single discarded bottle of dwarven ale. Still capped shut, actually. But Charlie's got enough sense in her to know it might not be safe to drink after everything. And as you just scan around, out of your peripheral vision, you catch the, a glimpse of something silver, half buried beneath one of the barrels. Ooh, go ahead and see what it is. You reach in and pull it out. And it's a pair of dog tags on a silver chain. And the name on it? Alphorce Flintjaw. I'm just going to draw that down. Okay. Um, I will... I will, a bit like you would a bow, I will loop the um, dog tag around the belt of my trousers to one side. Okay. Charlie now has acquired a set of dog tags. What else, if anything, do you do in this room? Well, there's nothing else of note. I will investigate that door. You peek around the door, and it leads to a very small brick room. There's obviously no lighting in there. It contains the remains of a small wooden table and a chair, built for somebody who was about five foot tall at the very most. A box that's been upturned onto the table with bits of scrunched up paper. Above the table hangs a little lantern on a chain. The only other thing of note in the room is another locked door. A tiny, tiny door. It can barely qualify as a door, actually. It's about three foot tall. Why? Using my um, ascendant dragon key. Could can I? Because I also can do fire damage as an arm strikes. Can I like try and just light the um, lantern with like a click of my finger to try and make a spark? Yeah. You can try have and that. give up the light in here. Yeah. You click your fingers. And there's a wall. As the lantern lights and uh, bathes the room in quite a nice glow. 
can now see everything a lot more clearly. I can smell burning dust. I want to be careful this whole place doesn't go up. That's a fairly good point, I didn't think about that. It's fine. I'm... I have an affinity with fire, so I tend not to think these things through. I've been yelled at several times for them. I, I can do that, and I just light my hand on fire slightly. The final does the same. Fire up. <laughs> Flame off. How are you in tight spaces? I've been in some tight spaces in my time. Because I want to... I want to know what's behind that door. Okay. So I assume you investigate the door. Just make sure he's alright to continue onwards. I will go in, check out that door. Okay. The door is dented as if somebody's tried to open it with force. But there's a single lock in there. They clearly haven't succeeded in whatever it was they were trying to do. You any good with locks? I don't have lock picks on me, if that's what you're asking. I bashed down the door. Well, it depends if you want people to know you've been here, just in case whoever did this comes back. That is also good I can handle the lock if there's anything else you want to do in here for in case it leads to a tunnel that we get to go up. Should we bring Should we bring Morris down here? Might not be a bad idea. Do you want me to go get him while you do the door? Pardon? Do you want to do the door and I'll go get him? Sure. He seems alright me. He likes you. You um may have to tell him if you don't want to be hugged. He's kind of a hugger. Okay, got it. Nathaniel gets out his thief's tools. Pick up Morris from school. <laughs> Morris is happy to see his Auntie Charlie pick him up from school. He's been sat there very patiently, watching a bird fly past, and occasionally going excitedly when it gets too close. Morris. Instead of turning round to look, Morris just bends over backwards at an unnatural angle to look at you. Yes. Um, Morris. Come. Morris comes a running, his lead trailing behind him. There we go. You know, I've got him back down. I'll close the um door over behind me. Okay. The um the cellar door. Charlie is lucky and gets treated to a second round of brain piercing screeching as the door shuts. 
But by the time you get back down, the door is the little door is open. And you get in just in time to see Morris wiggle up a tiny tunnel. Oh, he doesn't know, is she? <laughs> no. Sometimes I wish my bones were that elastic. And Lana quick might I will she my quarter staff because it's not going I'm not gonna fit through that space with it on the deck. No, I don't think you are. So Do you care to go first? Yeah, sure. I'm Okay. Roll me acrobatics, please. I got a ten, so that's a twenty. Nice. Because I have a plus ten to acrobatics now. Because I mean, I have twenty-two dexterity now. Nice. Everybody likes plus ten to acrobatics. You crouch and ever mindful of your ribs because Charlie even though you are very very disciplined I should imagine you don't want to land on your still healing bones that's pretty correct you start crawling free you have to sort of commando crawl at one point when it seems to get even more claustrophobic and you can just hear an oof behind you as Nathaniel clearly lands on his front. <laughs> I'm right side if I can just small smirk on my face as I continue down. Okay. You wriggle down. And then the tunnel, as it were, takes a sharp angle upwards. So can you make me another acrobatics check, please? Come on, dice. Blimey on the dice works, because that's a natural 20 plus 10. Charlie, with almost as much elasticity as Morris, gets to the end of the tunnel, rolls over, and wiggles up like a snake. Just using my legs. Yeah. Who needs to use hands? That's for amateurs. Yeah, I use my hands to keep hold of my core stuff, make sure I don't dink it. Because it's still, it's still pretty like nice and smooth. Because I haven't hit much of it yet. I haven't hit anything with it yet. But so I just sort of like use my legs to get up the tunnel. It's actually very, very impressive if the rest of the party were there to see it. Charlie just basically walks up the side of this tunnel, and you reach the top. You can see Morris has helpfully already pushed open the door at the top. And he's waiting there, doing tippy-taps with his knife's hands in anticipation. You are waiting a little longer, as after about two, three minutes, quite red in the face by the time he gets to the top, Nathaniel starts dragging himself out of the hole, muttering several swear words under his breath. I'll, I'll help him the rest of the way. Thank you. <laughs> How in the hell did you turn around like that? Pretty good practice. Wait, when... 
when you can catch arrows in your hands and punch stuff harder than a sword can slash someone, you, you're pretty acrobatic. That's putting it one way. <laughs> Wait, you can catch arrows? I mean, I haven't had... I haven't had much opportunity, but to catch them in a while, but I can catch arrows. Hmm. <laughs> Clearly thinking this over for a minute. Right, um, just give me a moment. As you may have gathered, that's not my specialty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all. So as Nathaniel's catching his breath, what's Charlie going to do next? I'll take a look around the room we're in. Okay. Um, roll me for investigation or perception. Dealer's choice. I'll do, I'll do perception because I'm minus one in, in investigation. <sighs> Seven. Maybe Charlie's just a little busy being amused at how unfit her half-brother is. Fucking sorcerers. They're all nerds, am I right? <laughs> Who needs spells when you got my fists? Nathaniel's clearly somebody who failed gym class. But you glance around, and this room isn't much more inspiring. For a moment you're distracted, as a thought pops into your head. How in the fuck would Ben Gunn get up here? Do you glance around? And you're in a very, very dusty room. I want more. Everything here is dusty. But this one's made of brick. It's been deliberately built. And the walls are lined with wooden shelves that are almost entirely empty now. And the room carries on down a small corridor. Luckily, this one you can walk down. Bingo and have the time to build this. Dwarves live for a long time, don't they? <laughs> Pretty much everyone I know lives for a long time for some reason. Except for us. Well, actually, then again, we live. We're supposed to live twice as long as humans, so I suppose that's one thing. I have to ask, does it ever bum you out the fact you have a much shorter lifespan than most people that you travel around with? I try... I try not to think of death that way. I mean, it scares the hell out of me, but... I try to just... think of... the there and then rather than what's to come. And, I mean, elves live a thousand years, and I don't know, I'm doing with 180, so what, I'm 27 years old, and I've struggled to fill my time with that. What would I do for a thousand years? You see Nathaniel smile at that. Well, it's good to know I'm not the only one who has figured out what they want to do when they grow up. I mean, 
obviously top of my priority list is getting out of this hellhole. That is the same, but I've got some things to do before I leave here, to be honest. Is that to do with um, your injuries? Um, I'll, I'll find somewhere to sit for a minute, because it's not like this corridor is getting away from us. Your choices are an upturned crate, a barrel, or another small desk. I will, I will set legs crossed. <laughs> okay. What, on the athletics? floor? Yes. Monk discipline. Nathaniel will sit down on the floor as well. It's kind of reminiscent of the time you two had a conversation in Prince's greenhouse. <laughs> he tried to help a friend who, two friends who got technically free, but I wouldn't class one of them as a friend. Three people who we were traveling with got captured by the military when we got distracted by something. So we went to investigate and the other three hunkered down out of the way, but by the time we got back, they were captured. We tried to rescue them, and let's just say that was nothing short of a disaster. You were captured too? Yeah, spent about a month, but in a jail cell that was maybe Four by four. Oh, and I was magically blinded. Couldn't see shit for a month. But you're okay now? Um, okay, that's probably a stupid question, given the colour in your face. The... Have you ever heard of the trial? vaguest of terms, yes. We were volunteered to do that. And that's how you got out? Yeah. We lost two of the three we were trying to rescue. And you were close to both or one of them? One of them was long gone by the time we bumped into them. The other one, the other one was killed in the final event. I'm sorry for your loss. He's only a kid. The people I'm trying to find are his adoptive parents. And they used to live here, I guess, before everything turned to dust. Yeah, they need to know what happened. They do. So, now it's just a case of trying to find them. the plan. And what's after that? 
take him back to Volca, where their son's been buried. And after that, I don't know. Try and get off this island, I guess. Straight back on the warpath. After going through the trial, I realise we got we got to end what's going on here. It's, it's evil. The whole thing. It's the rich just pain to watch people imprisoned fight for their lives in fun games that they would consider fun. I don't think wealth protects you from this anymore though. Otherwise, you possibly wouldn't be here. Lots. Lots changed since we last met. We've We've grown stronger. I think we can take on whatever this is. Whatever is to come. Are you building a support system? An army? See, we haven't had much luck. We've made friends along the way, but whether the moral is high enough the morale, sorry, whether the morale is high enough remains to be seen, because I imagine everyone on this island's had enough of its system, but it's whether they're willing to stand up and fight for it. I know your friends and your compatriots aren't, they don't have the best impression of me and I'm just one person, but... I'll stand with you. Thank you. There's... There's people who want to get out of here. I know someone who's escaped this island once before. But now it's just trying to do it a second time and take the island out in the process. Oh, by the way, hmm? when I was hiding in the bushes with Morris, I saw the way you were looking at Harlan. <laughs> you, you two, you two, be pretty cute together. In my character designs, Nathaniel has a red coat. He's also one of those people who you can see when he's angry or embarrassed because his face turns almost as red as the coat. <laughs> Excuse you? you? You kept looking behind you. Shut up. I'm just saying. Life's too short, you said it yourself. That, that's a problem for another day. To be fair, that is true. Another time, another place. 
Life is short, but there's more pressing things to worry about right now. And he gets up very abruptly and starts to walk towards the corridor. With a spark. With a shit-eating smirk, I'll stand up, put the quarterstaff back on my back in, follow him. Morris will follow behind you. Does Morris like waddle? You've seen I those things. I forget what the look like. Well, the first lot you met, they move like Voldo from Soul Calibur. Morris is more like... You've seen those videos of the fluffy white dog that seems to skip rather than walk, right? That's roughly how Morris moves. He uses his knife hands as a set of front legs. Um, as we're walking along while... Um, while... I'm just gonna call him Harlan then. Well, Nathaniel's a bit distracted, I'll just... Um, hold um, my symbol of the Traveller in my hands and just um, give him Blessing of the Trickster. Oh. So he has an advantage on stealth for the next hour. Just in case. I will make a note of that. It's no concentration or anything I can just hand out to people. Horace looks curiously at your symbol because it's probably shiny. Let him take a look at it and carry on. Morris's face is stuck in that permanent smile. But the hissing is one of longing. He clearly wants a shiny object for himself. Shiny object. <laughs> but you keep walking along the corridor. Nathaniel's taken the lead, mostly because he knows if he looks at you, he might see you smirking at him. But the corridor's long. It's really long, actually. Like, you're right, when did Bengarn find the time to do all this? But the man was quite old, even for a dwarf. And eventually you come to a steel ladder, going up to a trapdoor. Which reckon that goes? Only one way to find out. I'll go first. Okay. You no, climb the ladder. Just... Sorry, after yeah, you. I was just gonna. <laughs> you said the exact same thing. I, li I was literally just gonna say, I'll, go I'll start to climb the ladder. Okay. <laughs> you climb the ladder. When you get to the top, can you make me athletic, please? Uh, G20. 14 plus 6. Is Charlie still smirking? Um, I'd say the smirks dice them a bit. Okay. As Charlie is beef, you can push open the trapdoor with one hand. It's very impressive. Do you open it so that you can peek out? And Charlie's become pretty cautious with this place since the tsunami, so I'll open it slightly and peek out. Um, roll me perception, please. 
Let's roll the blue plastic one, because this one came in clutch in that fight. Uh, 12 plus... Plus 4. 16. Okay. As you push open the trap door, the first thing you see is brick. For about... just about two foot of brick. But being a monk, it's easy enough for you to just grab the top and look over. And you're in a well. Not too far outside the time. Anything else, or is it just a well? There's a well, and some dirt paths. The snow around this area, because it's fairly close to the ocean, is starting to melt away. So you can see the grooves where the paths were and they're heading towards the big step the mountain that's kind of actually too short to qualify as a mountain you're all but on the other side of the island as you were this morning this feels like um this feels like um trying to just Fog a dead horse, really. What do you do next? Oh, sorry, I was saying that to him. Oh. I should have been a bit more clear, shouldn't I? Sorry, that's what I said. Oh, that's my bad. He started to climb up the ladder. In what way? I don't know. It's been two, three months since the tsunami. And I'm just trying to find him with no clue of where he actually could be he's he's cleverly minded I know he doesn't come off as the brightest person but he's far more intelligent than anyone I know he just he's clever at hiding it so I know he's alive There's, no he's not dead well if we get out the well, maybe we can have a closer look at things. Also, Morris wants to pick you back and he's surprisingly heavy. If you glance down, you will see that Morris is resting on the fan your shoulders by this point. Yeah, let's keep going for a minute. Google. Right, you climb up above me. No, I'm not carrying you to the top, you're too heavy. Come on, you've got more arm strength than I have. Move it. Morris will pull himself out of the well. Followed by Nathaniel. Jesus Christ, bud. Who, just like with the tunnel, has to scramble a bit to get out. Right. What do you know? You clearly know this... What's his name? Bengarn. Bengarn. You clearly know him. Is what is he always been the owner of a tavern? Is there anything he's done beforehand? Flashback. He was 
a member of the resistance, wasn't he? Not the military. Tell me a history check, please. Can I have this at advantage? Because like, you did tell yes. me this. You can have it. I'll tell you what, you can have it at double advantage. Because I did tell you this. And Charlie has known Ben gone for a while. The lows were a 1, a 4, and the high was an 18 minus 1 on the lucky plastic dice of all things. Okay. You close your eyes for a minute, trying to cast your mind back. And you remember finding the information about Vengar. Finding his real name. And finding out he was an unwilling member of the First Army. Which may have been a resistance unit, secretly plotting against the others, but it certainly didn't start that way. Charlie knows enough about the military to know if they knew he was alive, they probably wouldn't let him go so easily if they found him. He was, um... He was an unwilling member of the First Army. First Order. I can't remember, it's been eight years since he's told me this, but I think it was the, called the First Order. Unwilling member, but because of that, he's very military-minded. So he's... He's not the kind of person to get caught off guard, even by what the Tsunami did. So he's a defector from the army. From the military. Vengarn's not his real name, but he used that under hiding. Smart. That narrows it down a bit. No one would ever look at someone like Larton if they were finding someone who's hiding. Do you know anything else about him? Not really, to be honest. He's give he's given me much a little bit of information, but he still kept his life fairly secretive. Did he ever tell you? where he was stationed at or anything like that not like remember so years ago I got this information because when we first got sent to the island he gave us a place to stay that's how we're known so he's a generous soul then Oh, I had, had to work day and night to to stay there, but became good friends over it. There were several bases and camps all over the island, not just beyond the border. A lot of them are decommissioned now. But might be a place to start. 
he's he's cautious so whatever base would be one of the harder ones to get to would be a good place to go then leave stuff to chance no could you roll me a nature check please properly please oh damn uh please say nature is wisdom and not intelligence wherever it is on the fuck it's intelligence it's intelligence. Uh, seven <laughs> seven how the hell is nature not wisdom honestly i don't know tell you what let's make this fun roll me a nature check and add your wisdom modifier because i'm so remembering we don't have to do things by the book as much as people may be screaming at that one sentence. Uh, 8 plus 4 then. Okay, that's a bit better. Charlie can tell what a blade of grass and what a leaf is. But no, I don't look, at a, tree and, I don't look at a tree and think, what a wonderful strawberry this is. <laughs> is this a butterfly? As an eagle swoops past or something? I look a pigeon. Charlie, no, that's a dragon! Oh shit, I, I punched a dragon. The dragon dies, because Charlie's fists are just too epic. MLG air horns. <laughs> Gun cocking noises. As you look out into the distance, you can see the big step. And you know... That the area around here also wouldn't be considered hostile. Not many people go beyond the big step. Because what Charlie knows beyond there, or what she's probably heard, is that it's a bit of a wasteland, really. Much like the rest of the island in its current state. Cool. I'm, I'm looking through my spell list to see if I got anything that could help with this. Though it's only level one spells, so I don't think it's going to be much help. You could try. I'm just seeing if I've got anything that might work. Um, for the duration, you know, if there is any aberration, celestials, phase, fiends, or undead, okay, not humanoid. Not humanoid, but you know those things exist in this world. Hmm. It's called detect, good, it's detect Evil and Good. For the duration, you know if there is any aberration, celestials, Fees, feigned elementals are within 30 foot of you. You can still try it. I think I'll save the spell slot. Okay. I'll save the spell slot. Do you... Do you know any spells like scrying, for example? I don't know how 
you spellcasters work. I mean, I get spells through this as I just hold up the holy symbol around my neck of the traveler. But other than that, like, shut my friend shard, can do music, can do magic through music, Oberyn. I have no fucking idea where that comes from. And Moira can seem to do it by looking at a book. The book is wizards for you. It's, I don't know, magic's confusing. This is, this is why I prefer sticks and fists. I can try it. I'm still learning how to do this. There's a lot of spells I'm actually still learning at the moment. Sorcery and wizardry. They are different, but I suppose with enough practice, anything's possible. And he will sit there. Do you have anything of then guns? It's supposed to make the process a little easier. Should we to bury the radio? <laughs> um, dog tags. I take a, yeah, I was going to say, I've got the dog tags. Uh, so I take off the dog tags. Um, do I have anything else that belonged to him? Just the dog tags. I will hand um, him the dog tags from my belt. Just like unloop it and hand it to him. Okay. He takes the dog tags and then sits in the sort of pose as if he were starting to trance. But of course he's a half-elf and can't trance. And he sits there. Morris gets bored and starts chasing the snowmelt that keeps falling off the leaves. And Charlie, you just sit and observe, um, I suppose. I will just keep an eye on the surroundings, make sure nothing tries to like jump out and attack us. You see seven bunny rabbits in the distance hopping through the snow. They're very cute. Let's see. After probably about half an hour since Nathaniel is not a wizard he sits up a bit okay I think while he's I think while he's focusing on the spell I might go and see if I can grab a rabbit okay how do you intend to grab a rabbit hmm um This is probably going to be really hunting me, but I'm going to cast a mind sliver on the closest rabbit. The rabbit must make an intelligence. You drive distorting. You drive a distorting spike of energy into the creature's mind. That if the creature is within range, the creature must succeed on an intelligence saving throw. It will take one d6 psychic damage and subtract four, 1d4 from its next saving throw. As it happens, because we're level 11, it's 3d6 psychic damage. Oh my god, Alex! Alex, no! <laughs> oh, 
A rabbit I literally have... has one HP. I have no ranged weapons. Okay, roll me a d8. Was that a six, did you say? Yeah. Charlie, you narrow your eyes at these rabbits and cast. And there's kind of a <laughs> And you manage to explode the head of the nearest rabbit and kill five more in the process. The last two rabbits run away crying as you've just murdered their whole family. Oh, that's brilliant! Thank god there's no druids around me. Oberon would come down oh, with like a ton of bricks. What did you do that for? Hiss, 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 hiss. I know, Deborah and Jonathan, I agree. <laughs> Deborah and Jonathan. <laughs> sort of jump it a little bit, because Charlie. Charlie's so quite new to magic, and you don't think that would make a head go pop? And if people question why the fact I have Mind Sliver as a cleric, it's because I'm, I have High Elf in High Elf Seeking 1 was a cantrip. And Mind Sliver is pretty fucking cool. Especially if you pair it with Stun and Strike. There's 1d4 off of your saving throw for your con save for Stun and Strike could be the difference between a pass and a fail. <laughs> um... Once I do collect the, um, I'm not greedy, I'll take, actually I don't know how long we're going to be, I'll take all five. Okay. Um, once we, once I get back, I will, um, sit down and spend ten minutes to cast it as a ritual so I don't use the spell slot. I will t spend 10 minutes to cast the spell Purify Food and Drink because I don't okay. know if they got ravens or anything. <laughs> and I'm, I mean, I have purity of body, so I'm now immune to poison and disease. But obviously, he doesn't have, Nathaniel doesn't have that. So <laughs> I want to, like, poison Nathaniel with mind, mind destroyed rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> So Nathaniel finishes scrying and looks over and sees Charlie holding five normal dead rabbits and one whose head seems to have exploded. I, I, love, I love the exploded head one. Oh. That, that was pretty nasty. So I loved that one. <sighs> Did you um went hunting, I assume? Peeks around Charlie to see the exploded rabbits. Yeah, you, when I said magic is complicated and I much prefer my fists, that's why. Understandable. I have an idea where he might be. I'm not promising it's accurate, though. Beyond the big step, there used to be a town called Fern. And just beyond that was one of the old encampments. I think they're trying to revive them. 
Not sure if you want to cook those now, but I'm pretty sure I have a pot somewhere in my bag. I just need two, three more minutes and then my ritual's done. I'm purifying them just in case they have any disease. Is that one of your things where you become immune to disease now? Immune to disease? It, I, well, I think I am. I don't. I got poisoned back in the trials and my fists went all weird and I could sort of rot things that I punched but ever since the day after leaving the trial they it seemed to fade away I, I also get oh, I also used to get stuffy nose but that's gone as well so maybe that's important is the rotting punch is something you'd ever want back I don't know they made me a bit They angered me a lot, so I don't know. Like, I found myself wanting to hurt when I had them. So I don't know if I'd want that experience back. It's easy to lose control sometimes. I've had times where I've wanted to burn everything to the ground. And I've come close then, to it when the when the friend who I was trying to protect was killed um, the sorcerer who killed him by the time I was done with him there was nothing left of his head it was just a mushy pile on the floor you just kept going because you couldn't stop don't regret it That's, I've not killed many people, but I do not regret that one. There are people in this world that we'd die for and people that we'd kill for. Sometimes these things happen. At this point, my ritual should just be about down, I reckon. Nathaniel finds the pot. Time for rabbit stew. I do have a knife in my explorer's bag, so I will... I'm happy to roll for it, but I will de-skin, a, de-skin two of the rabbits. Alright. Hmm. Let's see. Roll me sleight of hand. Good at sleight of hand, I get a plus six. Twenty-one. Okay. You can skin a rabbit pretty easily. Chopping it up into chunks. Me to roll for the second one? No, I think Charlie can wield a knife. Chef. Yeah. Angry Moira in the background. Moira, excuse fucking you. Let's see. You also get potatoes and carrots to go with your rabbit. It's not the most exciting stew you've ever eaten, but it is better than starvation. Honestly, this is the first time I've had a cooked meal in a a month, maybe? It's been ages. 
It's been a while since I've had a cooked meal. I never used to cook. I could... I could make a killer fried breakfast, but that's it. Anything else, I will basically burn and destroy. Now suddenly I realise I don't know how good I've got it sometimes. Black pudding? That's perfect. I love black pudding. Hmm. Can't remember the last time I ate that. I know people here are dying of starvation all the time. But... I just realised how good I have it since... Most of us in... The little menagerie I've been with know how to cook. It's usually only basic things, but... I mean, sometimes you just got to improvise and go with what you have. I mean, hmm. those rap... I didn't have any hunting tools, so I drank basic <laughs> rabbits. I, I didn't expect one of their heads to explode, but... <laughs> you good? Uh, yes. The, no. <laughs> this isn't Charlie. This is me. Charlie's not this cruel. <laughs> it's just like, I <laughs> explode rabbits. <laughs> Charlie wouldn't love that. I, I made a rabbit's head go pop. This, pop. this is Alex laughing. Uh, pop goes the weasel. But except it's a rabbit. I was like, what should I do? Ooh! My sliver works. I mean, it would have been... It would have been more appropriate than bolts of radiance or hand of radiance. Because, you know, it, I would literally be giving, like, radiation poisoning to... rabbits. Pre-cooked radiated rabbits. Delicious. Rad rabbits. And then again, when I first tried cooking for the group, I was the sort of person who could have burned water. I mean, if it helped, I mean, if it makes you feel better. When back when I had no one around to cook for me, I managed to set fire to a bottle, a pot of pasta. Pasta burns quite well. I've used it as kindling once. I'm just making myself hungry now. I'm soup's going to go cold. You all, you both eat the stew, and Morris looks on enviously because he cannot eat. He puts his little knife hand into the pot to spear a bit of rabbits, and then just holds it there. He wants to feel involved. But by the time you've finished, there's probably enough to keep in the pot for another meal later. This... The sky actually goes dark now. Sometime, whilst Charlie and the rest of her party were in captivity, day and night seemed to return. And for the first time in quite a long time, the sky is starting to go dark. The night time. Then went dark when. I was behind Barstow. Dark nighttime returned about maybe two weeks ago. 
There was a strange time where the sun didn't set at all. I wonder what caused that. It's something we've been trying to figure out along with all the other things. So every time you think you're coming close to an answer to one thing, several other things pop up. Do you need to rest, or should we start going? How long have we been going for at this point? Hmm. About seven hours. I could probably go for another three to four hours, to be honest, but how are you feeling? I've grown to get used to not sleeping properly for days on end. When you spend all your time around certain people, you start to pick up their habits. And Morris doesn't need to sleep. He's lucky. He makes a pretty good night watchman. Yeah, that Morris, you did good. And Morris once more goes and happy dances. But Nathaniel will take Morris's lead to stop him running off. I think if we head towards the big step, what would be the closest base from there? It's a good place to start. Yeah, let's do that. Hmm. Can you roll me a d8, please? Seven. Huh? You walk. And you walk. And although the island can be quite eerie in the night, aside from the odd hooting of an owl, or the scurrying of something in the undergrowth, and one scuffle, as Morris tries to bolt after something and nearly pulls Nathaniel over. You keep going. And before you realise it, the big step is coming into sight as you somehow travelled for another seven hours. By now, you are starting to get tired, brinking on first level exhaustion. Is there any shelter around this area? Uh, roll me perception, please. I will also roll perception. It's a 14. I got a 30 for the final. Charlie, you have to squint a bit. Rem you're trying to remember what natural nighttime darkness feels like. It feels illegal. But Nathaniel taps you on the arm and gestures over to a small cluster of very, very derelict-looking houses. It's not great, but it's better than nothing. Still, still shelter. Mm. <laughs> and I think I could do with some sleep, to be honest. Mm. How long have I actually been awake for at this point? <laughs> I haven't 
been awake for. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Apparently, according to this dice, he's been awake fucking six days in a row. Like I said, you start to pick up other people's bad habits. Yeah, that's not healthy. I know, I know. <sighs> Alright, to the houses. It takes you maybe five minutes to get over to them. There's to do. After you. I was gonna say, um, I say to him, do you want to do first watch or should I? Just in case something comes. I'll do first watch. What's going on with my hair? <laughs> and of course, Morris will help with watching. He's not much of a talker, but he does know how to frighten things off. I don't get why nobody likes him. He's alright once you get to know him. I mean, we practically hid in a bush together with some of our best friends. Morris looks overjoyed at hearing that you two are best friends. He skips. Well, according to most people who meet him, he is freaky. And disturbing. And just not very nice to look at. I mean, if you want someone that's not very nice to look at, you know the... You know the Simic hybrid elf that was with me? Yes. Four big black tentacles grow at his back. Through stress, I think. Okay, that's... Really something. There must have been some stress for him to literally grow new appendages. You go and rest. We'll keep the first watch. Oh. And you better get to sleep afterwards. I only need four hours as I pull out the, my bright blue blanket. <sighs> the joys of being a half elf. On yourselves leaning back against the stone wall. Get up my um, blanket of elven rest and get some elven rest. Charlie becomes a burrito and rests for four hours. May get my luck point back then. You do, because this counts as a long rest for you. Aren't elves just fun and not overpowered? Elves are my favourite kind of thing. Race, species, whatever. My favourite's are tieflings. Gotta love those horny boys. Hey, <laughs> what? Charlie gets to go nights for four hours. And then you're woken up by Morris gently poking you. Ow. Ow. Yes, I'm not. Morris, let her be. No, I go. You just sleep. If you want, you can use that blanket and you'll feel as good as new in four hours. Really? I have no idea how it works, but four hours is all you need. Or sleep in that and you feel dandy. 
Nathaniel will borrow Charlie's blanket of elven rest, just goes underneath it and hides, essentially. And while we, while he does that, I will, um, I will take, I have 50 foot of rope, so I'll pull out a little bit of rope and teach, um, Morrison knots. I used to hold beer crates onto a horse car. Let's see. Does he roll like a minus five or something to his, to his roll to learn? That's an 18 minus two. Morris actually learned how to tie knots. <laughs> and after four hours, when day is just starting to break, he starts poking Nathaniel awake, hissing excitedly at this rope of knots he's holding. Ah, stop it! Ugh. I'm going to tie something blunt to the end of your hands, Morris, if you don't stop that. You can't just poke people when you want attention. It hurts. Also, what kind of wizardry is this blanket? No, it's wicked. <laughs> Nathaniel still oh. looks like he could sleep for several more days. But he no longer just... feels dead on his feet. Um, Morris, stand still quickly. Uh, just because um, these aren't very appealing to have wrapped around my belt, I will um, wrap the rabbits around some knot and then, like, knot it to something on Morris so he can hold the the three rabbits remaining. You tie them. You tie the rabbits to Morris's toddler reins. The reins. Morris puffs up his tiny barrel chest proudly. He feels very helpful. Do a pat on the head and open the pat, pat on the head and I'll roll up my blanket. Daniel's hmm. for the next few minutes is still at the stage where you're. Up, but you're not quite awake. You just if somebody talks to you, the best you can come up with is, huh? Did you just say something? No, no, it's just I, I, I know, I know that sort of thing very well. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll be social in a minute <laughs> when I'm not sleepy. He opens the door to the little house that you're in, and. You see daylight, but also blue sky. Something else you haven't seen in a very long time. <laughs> no shard would hate it. Hope it's still overcast in Volca. I can think of some people that would complain about this. I imagine so. I mean, I, I like the weather personally. It basically never rained on Lenovo. Nathaniel gives you a slight sideways look because he knows. Sorry, it's been... <laughs> just reminiscing. I know. I did go out into the garden one day and was severely punished for it because anybody could have seen me out there. Realized you know I would have done something right. I know. But we were all just children. 
We have no power. No say. Still, here we are now. Big Step looks a lot closer in the daytime. And you can see how it doesn't really qualify as a mountain. It's just a very, very tall set of hills. Like the leg day, I guess. You know the fly spell? Yes. Well, I already shot the mountain. Nathaniel taps something on Morris's little dog collar and he shrinks back into what looks like a tiny bit of pebble. Don't want Morris to get lost. Um, with that, with a snap of my finger, I spend a point of key in like my orange transparent dragon wings to come on my back. Oh, we're doing it this way, are we? You remember how most of your party's magical items come in the form of something you can wear on your wrist? Yeah. Nathaniel has one too. It contains, well, when it activates, what you'll see as a customised version of Polymorph. And yes, this is cheesy, but I don't care, I like the idea. Activates it and becomes a red bird. A phoenix, actually. Reishi. Alright. Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious I'm going to use the dash action for Devil. <laughs> mm. Well, apparently, a phoenix on their stat block has 120 foot of flight. Okay, yeah, I'm not beating him. <laughs> Bearing in mind, Nathaniel's not really a phoenix, so he's probably not that fast. You could beat that, but I don't want to spend in another point of key to double dash. Because <laughs> then I could do 150 foot of movement, but that would cost me another key point and I'm wasting a key point on a race. Okay, what's Charlie's acrobatics modifier? Uh, 10. Okay, then we're on equal footing. We'll roll for the race. That's an 18 plus 8 for Nathaniel. Yeah, you beat me. 9 plus 10. 21. <laughs> 21. The two of you set off in a flash of red and orange wings. If there was anyone nearby, they'd probably wonder what in the goddamn fuck was going on. And Charlie, you do pull ahead. But then, with just a whoosh, Phoenix Trace flies straight past you and to the top. Where, with a pop, he changes back. Don't want to use all that up in one go, it takes a while to recharge. Landed <laughs> land next to him with a grin on my face. Yeah, alright, I'll give you that. You won that. <laughs> As the wings just fade away. That's really something, though. I have to use this to do anything yeah, like that. As I said, it's it's been a while. Oh, it's changed. A lot has changed. 
And yet I feel there's even more we need to catch up on. That's a like the big hill. We got time. I think this is gonna take a while. With the journey far from over, what will Charlie face next in her personal quest as she carries on, fulfilling her promise to Turg? Well, we'll just have to find out next time. This podcast was brought to you by me, Kerry, in conjunction with Visionaries Global Media and Matt Attack Productions. 